0: Okay, if you feel crowded, there's a little bit of space you can move around now, the kids are gone. If you don't like the person you're sitting next to, you can't move, just work it out. (laughs) Turn with me to Acts chapter one. This is the second part in a series I should not say that because at some point it's going to be the 22nd part of the series or the 32nd part or something. Uh, I'm going to try and speak with a deep voice today. Only because I listened to one of the sermons that I preached. I never do that. And it sounded like I had a very high voice. (laughs) Especially when I get excited. So I decided, manly, I'm going to speak with a deep voice. That's when you climb on double speed to get through them quicker. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, so if I speak with a deep voice, you could turn it faster. (laughs) My uh, kids in the States were listening to last week's, and they told me that we normally listen to it at 1.2 speed, but you were speaking so fast, we had to turn it down slower. And so I apologize if I was speaking too fast last week. I understand. For those of you that I haven't met, my name's Russ. I'm one of the team here. If you can't understand my accent, just listen to it again on the podcast because they edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Understanding the kingdom of God, we talked about last week in Acts, understanding the kingdom of God is a key to all of Acts. We realize that there are kingdoms in conflict. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness is in conflict. And that's our conflict. But the kingdom of God is so different. And the opposition to that kingdom is so fierce. We can't do it in our own strength. We need help. So turn with me to to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to get sidetracked here. I want to say this. There's a whole lot of stuff happening in the world in politics, in the U.S., in COVID and everything. And someone asked me, Russ, what do you think about this? What I think about this is that the kingdoms of the world are being shaken. That shouldn't surprise us. It's not going to get better. We're part of a kingdom that can't be shaken. That's the kingdom of God. And so we need to understand that's where we stand. Don't get caught up in this side of politics. It's not liberal and labor. It's not Republicans and Democrats. It's not even conservatives and progressives. We need to understand the bigger picture that there is a kingdom of darkness of which Satan is the ruler of, and there is a kingdom of God. We're part of this kingdom. Everyone who's not is part of that. doesn't matter what side of politics they're on. I'm not talking about politics today. (laughs) (laughs) What I want to say is this. When we understand the kingdom, God never intended us to live a kingdom life on our own. He never intended us to be able to understand it enough and to have enough determination that we can live this kingdom life. It's so different that we need help. His plan was always that we lived in partnership. So in Acts chapter one, verse four, and being assembled together with them, (laughs) he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me. Now that's Luke, as we said last week, the writer of this is actually just quoting what he wrote in the end of Luke, where Jesus says, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on the high. There is this promise of the Father, that's what he's saying, which is an interesting statement. God is promising something. Have you thought about that? We could just read over it. This is something that God promises. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What is the helper? The helper, that word in Greek is parakletos, the one who comes alongside. The helper is this one who comes alive, who is the promise of the Father. God's saying, you can't do this kingdom life on your own, so I'm going to give you some help. Yeah, that's great. But he was not just decided at the last minute. It was something he planned for a long time. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. There was one accord in one place. Too often we get cut up on the one accord. I love the fully. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. For hundreds of years, they'd been celebrating a feast that pointed to something that would happen. Pentecost was one of the three feasts that all the men had to go to Jerusalem. They celebrated this feast for hundreds of years, and it was God's pointing to a promise of the outpouring of his spirit. God was excited about this. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. And when it had fully come, as Mary read this morning about God just rejoicing over us, I can just see God getting excited. That day dawns and he says, this is it. After hundreds of years of a prophetic look, it's finally here. You get that. All oh, looking forward to the day. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the, uh, the movie The A Team or the, the program that was on in the 80s. One of the guys used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. I just see God saying, Oh, I love it when a plan comes together. I've been looking forward to this. This outpouring of the Spirit. God was excited. Conversely, the devil wasn't. He doesn't want us partnering with the supernatural Holy Spirit. He would much rather we try and do it on our own. He'd much rather that we don't even follow Jesus. But if we're going to, he'd rather that we do it on our own. Because that's not supernatural. Drums. (laughs) The natives are restless. Restless. Or Johan is. So I'm going to take a look at, I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again, just a look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts. Acts 1.8 says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is God's plan. And so, I've just taken a, I don't know if you can see that. It's, it's quite small. I apologize. That was my I didn't think when I put it looks really nice on my <laughs> on my notes, I can read that I didn't I didn't realize that when it went up there it wouldn't be uh, any bigger uh, so we just want to take a look And so we started in Acts 1 let's, uh, Acts 2, verse 1, let's continue and the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all in, in, with a, one accord in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one set upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance so i just want to take a look at that real quick and look at some situations that we're going to look at all five of these situations this one if you go back in Luke, Jesus had actually t- breathed them the Holy Spirit and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit was their salvation." So this is after they had made a decision to follow Jesus. So it's after salvation. See that little plus sign up there? My computer didn't have a check mark. It should have had a should have had a check mark, but you just have to. I had to fake it, huh? A tick, a tick mark. Sorry. See, so yeah they edit that out on the podcast. Uh, Was there laying on of hands? No. Did they speak in tongues? Yes. Was there some other manifestation? Yes, there was things that looked like fire and, and sound of wind. So there was something there. Next occurrence is Acts chapter eight. And I think that I wrote eight, one, which is not correct. It's uh, 17. Just add a 7 on the end of that. 8.17. And so this is uh, the moving of God in Samaria. And, uh, and verse 14, and when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them and when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So was it after their salvation? Yes, because they had already been baptized in the name of Jesus. Was there laying on of hands? Yes. Did they speak in tongues? There's no indication that they did. Is there another manifestation? I put a question mark because it seems that there is something. Because later on it says, Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Spirit was given. He saw something. We don't know what he saw. But there was something. So not knowing what was there, I just put a question mark. Next one. Acts 7. uh, Sorry, 9.17. This is Paul. And... uh, Jesus meets him and he responds to Jesus and he's blind for three days and then Ananias comes and verse 17, Ananias went his way, entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has come and sent me that you receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this was Paul's filling of the Holy Spirit. Was this after salvation? Yes. Was there laying on of hands? Yes. Did he speak in tongues there? I've got no and yes. Because there's no indication here that he did. But if you read in Corinthians, Paul writes, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So somewhere along the line, something happened. And he was healed. His eyes were open. Chapter 10, verse 44. Just be patient with me. Most of you know this, but... This is uh, Peter's gone down to Cornelius' household. They're excited for him to come. I just love this this story. And so he begins to tell them what has happened, who Jesus was. And he gets to verse 43 and he says, To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in his name will receive remission of sins. That was what they're waiting for. Because immediately the Holy Spirit falls upon them. I can just see they heard this. They're listening to the story. They hear this. Whoever believes in Jesus and they go, I do. And the Holy Spirit says, that's all I need. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So what did we see? Was it after their salvation? No. It was at their salvation. Was it laying on of hands? No. Did they speak in tongues? Yes. Were there other manifestations? Not really, except that it says they glorified God. Which is not really a manifestation of the spirit, I think that they just realized what was happening and got excited. They'd been looking forward to this, and then one more acts nineteen exactly uh the whole story first six is where it ends up, but Paul comes to uh, uh Ephesus and uh I'm going to start in one. It happened while well, Apollos was at Corinth. The Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've not so much as heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. He said, and then what were you baptized? Into John's baptism. John indeed baptized with the re- baptism of repentance, saying to the be- people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Is this after their salvation? Yes, it is. Was there laying on of hands? Yes, there was. Did they speak in tongues? Yes, there was. Was there other manifestations? Yes, they prophesied. They were all there. So we look at those. If you take one of those, you're going to come to wrong conclusions. You're going to say, oh, it has to be like this. But that's not what we want to do. We want to take a look at all of them and say, what conclusions can we come to? number of questions for you this morning. Understand this is the context of the kingdom of God in opposition and the kingdom being advanced supernaturally and God choosing to do that through people and God's excitement and and promise and plan was that he would pour out his spirit upon all of his people who would then partner with him to see the kingdom advance. What conclusions can we draw? Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit at salvation or after salvation? If you look back at the chart, you can see that most often it's after salvation. But you can't say it has to be. Can it be at salvation? Yes, it can. But you can't say it It always is. It can be at salvation if there's a submission to the lordship of Jesus. Why am I saying that? Because God doesn't empower us for our own purposes. He empowers us for the advancement of his kingdom. See, too often we think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in power, and if we haven't submitted to the lordship of Jesus, if we haven't come into the uh, kingdom of God in submission to his rule, then the Holy Spirit just becomes another power source for us to get what we want. Give me power so I can get wealthy. Paris Reedhead, who was a missionary in Africa uh, in the last century, tells a story about guy coming to him and told him all about his he was a pastor he said he's got this great church and this great ministry and on TV and all this stuff and great things happening and he says but Mr. Reedhead pray for me I need power and Pastor Reedhead said I can't help you you're the guy who drives up to the uh, gas station in his car and says fill it with the highest octane you got cause I'm I enjoy the power Said, you just told me everything you've done and all that you're doing without the power of God. And you're saying, just give me power so I can continue what I'm doing better. I said, God doesn't work like that. He says, move over, let me drive. And then because he knows us, he says, nah, get in the back seat. <laughs> and then he knows that most of us are still going to reach over try and try to grab the steering wheel. He says, Come here, goes around, unlock, opens the trunk, says, crawl in, <laughs> let me drive. And that's the attitude. God, you're not power for my program. Yes. Yeah. Very good. I exist for your glory Thanks. and for your kingdom. Now understand that because we're gonna touch a number of things in the next week, but that affects everything when we understand the kingdom. Yeah. This idea that it revolves around us has gotta be broken. Second question, does the baptism of the Holy Spirit require the laying on of hands? Often, but not always. My experience is I was raised, as most of you have told you in an evangelical church, outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the charismatic renewal. Many people I knew got filled with the Holy Spirit. I still wasn't sure about these people. I knew I was part of a church where was a cessationist church and they said this wasn't of God and I knew that could be right. But I wasn't sure that I wanted that. And then uh, I was in university. I spent one summer, uh, I played tennis and basketball. I spent one t- summer as a tennis instructor at a uh, children's camp on the other side of the country. So I drove, it was just an excuse to drive across the country. They paid for it. But, uh, I, but I went with this expectation, I want to impact these people for Jesus. Now, by the end of the summer, they all knew that I was a Christian, but none of them got saved. And I got back to California and went to, into my dorm room at university. And uh, by myself, on, on the, kneeling beside my bed, said, God, I just need help. I can't do this on my own. And the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I got filled with the Spirit because I surrendered. There was nobody there to lay their hands on me. So often there is a laying on of hands, but not always. Let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit doesn't come from us. But sometimes he comes through us. See, too often we have this idea that you need what I have. Yes, you do, you need the Holy Spirit, but He doesn't come from me, He comes from God. Uh, Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Who gives the Holy Spirit the Father? Just to confuse you, in Mark 1, 8, Talk about, John is saying, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you. Talk about Jesus with the Holy Spirit. So does the Father give the Holy Spirit, or does Jesus baptize with the Holy Spirit? Yes. (laughs) They're together. And they're excited about it. Very simple. While he can use others, he doesn't have to. Third question. Is speaking in tongues the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What can we conclude? It was a sign. But we can't conclude it was the sign. Let me say this. Supernatural manifestations are indications of the Holy Spirit. But they can be counterfeited. I, Mary and I spent time in South Africa. We worked with the Indian community, many Hindus. I actually saw Hindus go into a demonic trance and speak in tongues. I met a guy, came. To, this is in California, came to me and he said, do you believe in divine healing? And there was just this uncomfortableness in the spirit. And I went... I believe Jesus can heal, but what do you mean? Well, he was talking about he had come from the Philippines and there was this cave where this guy goes in there and operates on people by some spirit without using instruments. He would just finger, boop, open up, take your appendix out, close it back up and there'd be no scar. Supernatural, counterfeit. So is someone baptized in the Holy Spirit because they speak in tongues? No. Are people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, can they speak in tongues? Yes. What really is tongues? We're going to talk about that next week. Because I don't have time to go through the whole the whole thing today. Well, maybe I do. No, I don't. <laughs> tongues, there's there's actually Three things in the New Testament called tongues. Lance spoke on this last year. Uh, There is a language that is unknown to the speaker but known to the hearer. That's what happened in the second chapter of Acts. They spoke and people heard them in their own language. There is a language that is unknown to the speaker and unknown to the hearer but with interpretation is a message from God, like prophecy gift of tongues, or manifestation of tongues and interpretation, and then there is a language of the Spirit. A prayer language is the, the Holy Spirit interceding for us, or through us. And so we'll talk about that more in depth next week, but I just want you to understand, too often we get confused, because we think of one of those, and we say, ah, but that tongue's that is a language that people don't understand doesn't actually fit when you have a context where everyone speaks the same language. Why do you need that? So let's throw that out. And if that's all you think tongues is, then you throw out actually a message from God and or the, the prayer language or the language of the spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself. When you understand God's promise, his expectation, Jesus says it's to your advantage that I go away because I can send the Spirit. When you understand that, you can understand why Paul, when he goes to Ephesus and meets believers, the first thing he asks is, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Why? Because you can't do this on your own. You come to Jesus and you become part of this kingdom that is in opposition to the kingdom of the world that is facing an attack from that but is also extending this kingdom. You can't do it in your own strength. And when we preach or teach that those things are past and not for today, we set people up to fail. And then we wonder, how can we fail? Must be me. I'm terrible. Everyone else can do this, but I can't. God doesn't love me. So my question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Jesus says this to our advantage. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you what he's promised. That context of that is if you, being earthly fathers, if your son asks you for bread, you don't give him a stone. And if asks you for fish, you don't give him a scorpion. When we come to God and ask for the promise of the spirit, we don't have to worry about we're gonna get something counterfeit. There is counterfeit, but not here, not for you because you're coming to the right source. You can't live this kingdom life on your own. How many of you have experienced that? Don't put your hand up. How many have found that you've tried? And if I could only be more dedicated, if I could only be more committed, Maybe if I went to church more often. I'll get involved in every activity the church has. I'll go on Sunday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and I'll go to Bible uh, studies and everything and if, I, if I'm just more disciplined. None of you ever have done that, have you? That was me. And I still couldn't do it on my own. I'm gonna tell you, I was very disciplined. You don't have enough discipline. You don't have enough strength to do it on your own. We're gonna respond to that in a moment. I just wanna finish with something a little bit. Back to Acts chapter two. Because before we give an opportunity for people to receive the Holy Spirit if they want to, I want us to see a bigger picture for all of us as a church. Acts The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then Peter gets up to preach in verse 14. And in verse 17 he quotes the book of Joel which is God speaking prophetically about what he wants to do. And he says, and it shall come to pass in the last days says God I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my mans- men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor, smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was rereading that again. I've been preparing this for a number of weeks. I was rereading that again this morning and it hit me. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We're still. See, the day of Pentecost was the feast of first fruits. And so this outpouring of the spirit was the first fruits. We're still the first fruits. And God's plan is that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. We haven't seen that yet. We're living in the last days. And the last days began 2,000 years ago. We're we're the last of the last days. We're the laster of the last days. (laughs) If there's such a, a way of saying that. And it just hit me. If we're going to partner with God, our prayer with him is God, increase the outpouring of your spirit, not just for me, because that's often becomes our approach. God, I want more, wonderful, but we as a world want more for everybody. Will you stand? Before we get into opportunity for ministry, I want us to pray, pray together for not just ourselves, but for the city, for the nation, For an increased outpouring of the Spirit of God. This is still God's excitement. This is still what he's looking for. It began, but it hasn't culminated. All this that he looked forward to for hundreds of years is still continuing. There's an outpouring of the Spirit. We live in the end of the end days. Let's partner with him. Can we just pray? Go ahead and just begin to pray and ask God. Lord, we do. We just right now want to join with you. We realize that you've said that you're pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. Lord, we haven't seen that. But we want to agree with you that the outpouring of your spirit covers all flesh. Lord, we're grateful for what you've done. We're grateful for what we've received. But we realize that there's many who haven't yet. Father, we realize that there are people... Christians who are followers of Jesus but have been trying to do it on their own. We pray that there would be an outpouring of your spirit upon them. That there would be something of life that would come where there's been, been death, where the, the, the excitement of serving God has dried up. Lord, where those dry bones would come to life again. But Father, there's people who've never even heard of the truth. Not only have they not heard of the spirit, they've not heard of the the gospel of the kingdom. And the culmination is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, we say, would you increase the outpouring of your spirit in this city? Increase the outpouring of your spirit in this nation. Increase the outpouring. Father, we realize that the kingdoms of this world are shaking. We're part of a kingdom that can't be shaken, and it's the only hope for the world. You're the only rock that isn't shaken. So we say, God, pour, pour, pour out. Those of us who've been filled with your spirit, we agree with you and say, pour out more, 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 God. If you just keep your head bowed for a moment, just so you're not distracted by other people. If you're a follower of Jesus, then my question to you is Paul's. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You ask and you submit. It's very simple. You ask. But don't ask if you're not willing to submit. He's not some power to add to your sports car. Have you received the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, why wait? If you're ready this morning, there'll be some people who'd love to pray with you. Do you need someone to lay hands on you? No. Does it hurt? No. Can it be helpful? Yes. And so while we're here, we have that opportunity. But in the same way, if you've not met Jesus, it all starts there, he's the king. We're transferred from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God's son. If you haven't made that transfer, if you haven't come into the place of acknowledging him as your Lord and savior and coming into a new kingdom, Why wait? If you haven't done that and you're here, I don't think you're here by chance. I think there's something of God. got. So we would also love to pray with you. There'd be some folks who, who would. We're going to finish with a song. Sure. So, uh, he didn't know that. I just said that just now. Tim is great and the team is great. And then, if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to meet Jesus, just, if you'd come to the front, there will be some folks here who'd love to pray with you and uh, expect God. He says, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the Spirit. If you've had fear about this, don't let that stop you. Father, we just break the hold of fear now. Things have been said, things that, that we've heard that have caused a hesitancy and a fear. We just remove those in Jesus' name. You're a good God who loves us and wants our best. And when you say it's to our advantage, who are we to say? No, we don't need that. We respond to you. Thank you, Holy One.